Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Anybody get up at the wrong time this morning? Amen. I get on my family's nerves. I start getting our clocks changed early in the day. Everybody spazzes out when they see the clock and think it's a certain time and it's not that time. But isn't it funny how just one hour change just gets your whole body, your whole system out of whack? Just one hour. But let me just say for the record, I love this time change. I hate the other one. I like the longer days, especially with us being right on the border of the eastern time zone. So we, we get dark at 4.30. I don't like that. My kids need to be outside running around doing something rather than goofing off on iPods and computers and stuff. Kids don't amen that. Amen. Amen. So thankful we got our, all our youth here. We probably, I don't, I'm estimating, this is probably church counting, but it looked like 15 to 20 in Sunday school after they had been at uh, Acquire the Fire this weekend and wore themselves out. Amen. Did y'all have a good time? Yeah. <laughs> Come on. Yeah, yeah, amen. Well, as I said in first service, we expect what y'all got planted into you this weekend to come out here at church, come out in the schools, come out with your friends. It's not meant for y'all just to get and have some warm, fuzzy feeling. You come to church on the hill and you get some warm, fuzzy feeling, go out and do something. Tell somebody not to grow the church, to change somebody's life. And that'll grow the church. God will take care of the church. But what God's doing in you, let it out of you. Be salt and light in the world, in the world, to be salt and light in the world. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. If you don't say it, nobody can say it. It's got to be spoken. Did y'all know that? It's got to be spoken. We're called to speak. God created by speaking. People's lives that you work around will change when you speak. For the positive or for the negative. But speak. You are salt and light. That's what we've been looking at over the last two weeks is core values of a Christian, core values of church on the hill. And last week we looked in the week, the previous weeks, we looked at uh, the first core value, which is integrity and influence to be salt and light. We are to be a change agent, not be changed by the world, but change the world. Eric Clapton sings that song to change the world. You know what? It's scriptural. We are to change the world. His song wasn't meant to be scriptural, but it is scriptural. Regardless, you can change the world. You can. You're called to. That's your calling. You say, I don't have a calling. Yes, you do. It's to change the world and start with the person sitting next to you. Start with your family. Start with your co-workers. Start with your friends. Amen. We've got to do something. If not, we get spit out. We're to be tasty, desirable. Core value of church on the hill, integrity, influence. 
We are to influence. As a Christian, we are to influence. The second step today, the second one that we're looking at today is biblical authority. Core value number two. And if you've been coming on Wednesday nights, about a month ago, I've been talking on authority, whether it's authority in the home, authority in the marriage, authority in the church, biblical authority. But this is going to be just a little bit different, a little bit quicker. I took my time on Wednesday nights, but um, this just being one of the points that I'm trying to get to is biblical authority or God's word being the, the authority and the direction of my life, of our life, the final authority. The infallible word, uh, word of God. And we're about to go into uh, Luke chapter 5. And we're going to look at some biblical authority. And, and, and I did this this morning and I think it was too early. It was too early this morning for me to do some church humor. So I'm going to try it on you. Prepare yourself. They're, they're real wing dingers. All right. We're going to be looking at scripture. And this is some, some British children. Um, some of their expressions of what scripture was, uh, how they how they interpreted scripture said that Noah's wife was called Joan of Arc. The fifth commandment was humor thy father and mother. Said that Lot's wife was a pillar of salt by day and a ball of fire by night. And when Mary heard that she was to be the mother of Jesus, she went off and sang the Magna Carta. The natives of Macedonia did not believe, so Paul got stoned. Same reaction, first service. It kind of, okay. And this is the last one. The first commandment was when Eve told Adam to eat the apple. And we've been taking commandments ever since. Okay. Luke chapter 5, if you brought your Bibles, get your Bibles out. This is such a great story, not just because I'm preaching on it. It's not just a story, it's the life of Jesus. Jesus was standing on the shore of Lake Gennesaret, teaching the people as they crowded around him to hear God's message. Near shore, he saw two boats there and some fishermen who had gone to wash their nets. And Jesus got in the, in the boat that belonged to Simon and asked him to row out a little way from the shore. Then Jesus sat down in the boat to teach the crowd. And when Jesus started, uh, started teaching, finished speaking, he told Simon in Luke chapter 5, verse 4, row the bow out into deep water and let your net down to catch some fish. Master, Simon answered, we worked hard all night long and have caught and have not caught a thing. But if you tell me to, I will let the, no, the nets down. They did this. They casted their nets. And it was so much fish coming into their nets that their nets began to break. And then what happened? They start to bring them in the boat and they realized they couldn't take it all. So they had to call their buddies. Hey, come over here. And they started filling their boats up to the point that the boats started to sink. Amen. You know, Scripture says... Try me now on this to see that I won't pour out for you such a blessing that there won't be room enough to receive it. There's a connection there. There's a connection there. They caught so much. And when this happened, what, did, what was Peter's reaction? His reaction was, Lord, don't come near me. I'm a sinner. There is something that happens when God, when God moves in your life 
it starts to change you. What happened with Peter? Peter recognized his, his, his issues. He recognized how he didn't line up and he wanted to. He recognized the son of God. He responded to God's word and was changed immediately from it. These fishermen didn't know him. And yet through this experience, through God's word, through Jesus speaking and them obeying, Peter was changed. Don't come near me. I'm a sinner. Peter and everyone with him were completely surprised at all the fish they had caught. His partners, James and John, the son of Zebedee, were surprised too. Jesus told Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will bring in people instead of fish. The men pulled their boats up on the shore and left everything and went with Jesus. It's a beautiful story of Jesus coming into the disciples' lives and his words, his words changing their life. This morning, our focus is on God's word. Now, if you've been coming here for an extended period of time, I think that one thing that everyone, everyone I hope would agree, the kind of the one topic that I have stuck with the whole time is God's word and reading God's word, the importance of reading God's word. Maybe you say, man, will he ever move on? I won't. It has been one of the most impacting things in my life when I started reading this word of God every day. I think it's a law. I think you cannot keep from it impacting you. We just read in Proverbs chapter three that if you will hold his law to your heart, God's going to do everything for you. But you got to be in it. We cannot grow numb. What happens? We go through a month and we're great. We're in the word. We're working hard. And then you go on vacation. Or you have a, you have a hiccup and something happens. You got to get up early. You got a long week of work. Something happens. Like right now with school. We're having to go in at 745 and stay till 315. You know, it's just a change of schedule. Of all times for that to happen, for us to change, leap forward, and now have to deal with an earlier schedule. Pastor, you're not a teacher. No, but I take four kids to school. And I'm on a system. We get there within about the same minute every single day. I'm very, I see you every single day. I mean, you probably have the same issue. You're there at the same time I am too. What does that tell you? I get there early enough. I don't deal with traffic. It's the truth. So. What was I talking about? God's word, reading God's word and how hard it is to keep your schedule going. But you know what? Somehow in your schedule, you find time to eat. There are certain things that you don't let disrupt your schedule. You eat. Same thing with God's word. Can you imagine? Try not eating for a week or try only eating when you read the word of God. Good luck with that. But that'll get, that'll show you how much you need. You, you need nourishment. You need scriptural nourishment. Okay, enough of that. I've preached. I've preached at you enough. All right. Don't be afraid. From now on, you'll bring in fish. Uh, you'll bring in people instead of fish. God's word, what it will do for you and what it will do for me when we allow uh, it to have the same place in our hearts that, that the disciples allowed uh, Jesus that day. Can I tell you just for a second? The disciples are just like you and me. What happens is we think that there's some special 
people that could only have done this, that we couldn't have done what Peter and James and John and the disciples had done. No, they're just like us. They're fishermen. Jesus went to them where they were. The Lord comes to you right where you are. He doesn't expect you to be somewhere you're not capable of being or you think you can't ever be. He comes right to you right where you are. I want you to catch this. Five observations about this scripture, uh, Luke chapter 5. In this text, we see a dramatization of this core value in Peter's life. As with Peter, number one, five, five observations just from this scripture. Jesus makes requests of us to see how we will respond. Jesus comes into our lives and asks us certain things. And let me tell you, he's interested in your response. He is interested in how you respond. Now, just as the story, Jesus gradually asked the disciples for obedience. And you know what? That's the way that God speaks to our heart. I want you to catch what he did. First, he asked them to get in their boat. Can I get in your boat? Yeah, come on and get in the boat. And then what did he ask him? Row out. Row out a little bit farther from the shore. And then what did he ask him? Cast your nets. I want you to notice God slowly and gently began to reveal his will to them. You know, I think that had Jesus said, we're going to go out here and fish some more. The disciples probably would have reacted. "Uh uh-uh." But he slowly got the boat and preached to everybody. Out of him speaking, gained their trust, gained their favor. The word of God was speaking. Then he said, row. Disciples said, well, okay. So far, so good. And then he said, cast your net. God gently leads you. And he doesn't sit here and tell you where the end is right at the beginning. Why? Because you probably couldn't take it. You can take step number one. As we let the Lord lead us, he leads us gently. Jesus makes requests to see how we'll respond. He gradually unfolded his will to him. And with the disciples, he gent, as the, just like the disciples, he gently makes requests of us. And he is interested in how we respond. Number two, Jesus challenges us to trust and obey. Jesus challenges us to obey him in the most important areas of our life. Interestingly enough, when Jesus came to the disciples, do you know that he questioned them In what they knew. He didn't go and ask them things that they didn't know. He went and asked them. What were these guys? They were fishermen. And God's call to obedience was in their strength. It was in what they knew. How many knows it's easy to trust God on the things that we don't know? But it's hard to trust God in the things we know. Why? Because we, we think we can do it. The things I'm strong on, I rarely ask for help from God. What a mistake. What a mistake. He began to make requests of him, requests that were important to their lives, things that they knew about. The question was, could they trust him? Could they obey him in the areas that they already knew something about themselves? It's easy to, under, to, to, to trust somebody in the things we do, we're uncertain about, the things that we're stumbling around for answers. But will we trust God in the things we're pretty sure about? Here in the story, Jesus walks into their lives and talks to them about something that they have done all their lives. I would bet their fathers did it and their fathers did it. They knew what they were doing. 
And how many knows hunting fish, hunt, hunters and fishers, fish, fishermen feel like they know what they're doing? I'm not trying to be ugly. I've, I've hunted. I've fished a little. I haven't fished a lot. I'm afraid to fish anymore because I'm afraid I'll love it. And I just don't have time for another thing to do. But I love to hunt. I don't hunt much anymore. Maybe when my son, if he gets into it, I'll get back into it. But, you know, you start to think you know everything. You know where they're moving. You know where they're hitting. You know the right temperature. You know the right weather. You know the right spot. Man, don't tell me nothing about fishing. I know where to go. And these are fishermen. These are professional fishermen. They feel very certain. Can we trust God in the things that we feel certain about? Number three, we struggle in the areas where we have control and experience. The moment when Jesus walks into our lives and through his word and the voice of the Holy Spirit, he begins to challenge us in the areas where we're secure, where we have control, where we have a, and this is a tendency for us to struggle. You know, when he goes to Peter and he said, Peter, I want you to row out here and cast out your net. What did Peter say? We've already done that. What did he say? We've already done that. We've been fishing all night and we've caught nothing. How would we put it today? Been there, done that. Come on, tell me something that's going to help me. Don't tell me to go back out. We've been out all night. Nothing's hitting. Nothing's working. But God says, go back out. Sometimes we kind of say, Lord, do I really need a lesson in this? Do I really need to go down this road again? I was remembering a story I heard from an African-American bishop. He's a bishop, a pastor in uh, um, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. His name's Joseph Garlington, whom I love. He's one of my favorite teachers. Uh, I heard him at uh, Ron Phillips' church in Hickson, Chattanooga, a spirit-filled Baptist church. Uh, it was Hickson Baptist. Now it's uh, Abba's house. Um, but he was talking about being tested. And the Lord started showing him how he had a problem with his temper. And he started arguing with God, saying, God, I don't have a problem with my temper. Why would this come up? I don't understand. What's the deal with this? This isn't right. I've not lost my temper, and I don't know how long. About that time, he pulls into Walmart, and somebody takes his parking spot from him. Has that ever happened to anybody? And he proceeded to park his car and get out and chew that poor woman out. And while he was just absolutely giving it to her, she said, Father, I'm so sorry. He he wears the priestly, I don't know the term. Anyway, collar. I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but I don't remember the name of it. But, and all of a sudden, the conviction of the Lord came on him. You know, he had forgotten who he was. How many times has that happened to you? You forget who you are and you lose it. I was telling this morning with Robert Owens, Robert and I sometimes sit together at the Tennessee Tech basketball games and we sit like two rows from the from the half court. And I like to yell at the referees. Just feel like that's part of my calling when I go to a basketball game. (laughs) Randy's a football referee. You know, you get paid to get yelled at. You're going to get yelled at. They've just got to realize they're going to get yelled at a little bit. We pay our money. It's kind of entertainment. We're watching the players, but we're there to yell at the referees at the same time. And I'm close enough. I can make ear contact with them. Plus, I can yell. If you've ever been around me, I, I can yell. 
And uh, Pete, was this was the first time he'd ever got to sit by me. He's normally a ball boy. And he said, Dad, I've never sat with you. This is kind of... This is, this is kind of wild. I said, I'm sorry, I'll calm down. But anyway, it was toward the end of the game, and a call was made, and I just was giving it to this guy. And OVC, you know, OVC referees are, you know, a cut above. You know, they're, they're well paid and, you know, does a, does a good job. And the dude turned around and looked at me. And even in high school level, the referees normally won't make eye contact with you. They just know not to because then they think you, you think you got them by, under their skin and you can just really get them. But when he looked at me, everybody looked at me. <laughs> and I'm sitting there beside Robert and Robert's dying laughing. I mean, he's just dying laughing. And I'm like, this is not the attention that I want. In, in the day, maybe, but not now. Now it's there's the pastor of church on the hill. Look at what he's doing. And here's my son just dying laughing. And I'm like, what am I teaching him? You know, I never let him say anything negative about a referee. I tell him as a coach, I do that. That's the coach's job, not your job. You keep your mouth shut and you go out there and play and let me do your fighting for you. But we forget who we are. Well, Joseph Garlington, after walking through that experience, got back in his car and he said, you know, the Lord started showing him that he had a problem with lust and with some, some sexual issues. And, you know, he immediately thought, wait a minute, do I? And then the Lord said, do you have a problem here? And Joseph said, oh, yes, Lord. Oh, yes, please heal me, Lord. You know, he did not want to go down that road again. You know, when God, when God brings something to your attention, it's for a reason. And don't fight it. Surrender. Even if you think you're strong there, I have strengths. And sometimes that's my biggest problem is I think I've got those areas together and I forget to call on the Lord and I miss it. Anybody there? Number four, we are called to give God's word the final authority in every area of our life. If it doesn't make, even if it doesn't make much sense. Think about what Peter said. I want to know you, Lord. We've been doing this. We've been doing this all night. We've already tried. We've tried this. We've been there. We've done that. But, but he said, but if you tell me to, I'll let my nets down. In other words, it doesn't make sense to me. I don't agree with it. I don't think it'll work. But God, you are the final authority in my life. I want you to know with Peter's reaction, Jesus did not get on him for his doubt. You don't see him spiritually spank him for that reaction. You see him bless him for his obedience. I feel like it's okay. I, I think scripture shows us that it's okay to talk to God. To sometimes even argue. But when the argument's over, it's time to obey. Whether you get your answer or not. You know, with your child, your child can't always understand the things the parents are asking them to do. Oh, that's not always a requirement for obedience. For my child to obey, then I have to make sure they completely understand why they're doing it. You know what? A five-year-old can't understand why they can't go out and draw with chalk in the middle of the street when mom and dad aren't out there. 
when mom and dad are out there, they can do it. Why? Because I'm watching. I'm blocking the road. I'm making sure they can see me. And we live on a cul-de-sac where people aren't driving that fast. But if daddy says don't play in the street and they say, why? Well, because of cars and because of this. Yeah, but really, why? Enough. Just don't do it. It's not that I don't love you. It's not that I'm not for you or trying to control you. Just stay out of the street. Play in the backyard when dad's not out there. When dad's out there, we'll go in the front yard. You don't have to understand. You just have to obey. And that sounds kind of controlling. You have to. You don't have to. But the kingdom of God is lined up in obedience. You line up with the kingdom of God and you're going to be the one that reaps the reward. There is a reward. Did you see the reward is a full boat? And I'm not talking about a full full house. That was a joke. Anyway, it's cards. Anybody play cards? Full boat. Anyway, never mind. All right, that talk took me off track. Even if it doesn't make sense. You know, it says in the psalm, I meditate on his word day and night. You know, how can you put God's word, your first authority, the final authority of your life if you don't know it? How can you know how the kingdom of God lines up if you don't know how the kingdom of God lines up? You can pray till you're blue in the face. But if you don't know how God's kingdom works, you ain't getting there. You've got to know him. You have got to get in this. There is no other way. Chuck Colson, uh, in one of his books, talked about the fact of how many people have Bibles, yet the Bible doesn't change us. 81% of them that were surveyed, surveyed in a recent poll said they were evangelical or that they had received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, yet only 42% of them knew that Jesus had preached the Sermon on the Mount. Only 48% of them could say the first four books of the uh, New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. And out of the 1,382 people that were surveyed, only 1% said that their lives are directly and truly changed by what God's word says. In other words, many of us read it, but it doesn't always change us. You know, even today, you can come in here and just do the church thing. Sit under the teaching of God's word. Sit under the presence of God in our worship and be unaffected. You can just do four songs and go home or you can receive and go out and, and, and try to do God's word and your lives be changed. You have an opportunity for a changed life. You've come in here one way, you can go out another way. Or you can stay the same. Let me just tell you, it's not my fault. Let me tell you something else. It's not God's fault. He has done it all. He has done it all. He has paid every price. He's paid a price that you could never pay. Because just because he loves you. And all he asks you to do is to find out his way and to start following it. And he's going to do everything for you. He may tell you to cast your net when you when you feel like you know every way to do it. But then if you'll just try it his way, you know, you know, there was a time when a priest, a man, a, a, a king or a leader came to a priest and said, I'm I need healed. And what did he say? Go wash in the river seven times. And what did the guy say? 
man, why did he ask me to do that? I'm not going to go do that. That sounds stupid. And what did his servant say? Master, if he'd asked you to do something great, wouldn't you have done it? He said, yeah. Then why not go do it? And you know what? He went with the wrong attitude. But he got in there and he obeyed the word. And what happened? He was healed. Now, I want to tell you, start lining up with what this says. And God's going to move in your life. It's a promise. It's a law. The same as I dropped that. And it's going to hit the ground. When you start to line up with this, the other shoe is going to drop. It has to. You know, there was a, 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 a professional speaker, a guest lecturer at a university, and, the, and the, the leadership went to this lecturer and said, you know, you can talk on anything you want except just don't talk on the Bible or don't talk on spiritual issues. It was kind of funny because later that night he had to speak somewhere else. He was at a prison, and the warden came to him and he said, you know, I'm really not concerned about what you speak about, but would you please talk on biblical principles? Would you please talk about Jesus would you please talk about spiritual things? And you know, it seems like the cart's before the horse. We're not supposed to share God's word at a university, but we can speak to prisoners who have already messed up their lives. You know, it sounds like we're building the hospitals at the bottom of the cliff, not building up fences at the top. Don't wait till you're crashed and wounded at the bottom. Start getting it right now. Let me tell you, I do not like having to get to my to the very end to be helped. I like to be helped along the way. I have been. I have been at the bottom. I have found myself in the middle of Fourth Street, passed out at four o'clock in the morning, not knowing where I was in my own vomit. And let me tell you, God will rescue you there. But I didn't have to go there. God didn't want me to get there, but you know what? God's going to get me one way or the other. You are not alone. You are not alone. And the Lord is mighty to save, and he is ready to rescue you right now. You, you know, Pharaoh, when they were trying to take it, when, when Moses went to him and said, when do you want these plagues taken away? Pharaoh said, tomorrow. You don't have to wait to tomorrow. You can move right now. God is the God of right now. God's the God of yesterday, today, and forever. Today. As I pray, I didn't get to my last one. Finally, consistent obedience produces consistent results. Consistent obedience. Have you ever heard the, the statement, practice makes perfect? I don't agree with that. Thank you. Perfect practice makes perfect. You know, we've had to learn the hard way in our kids learning piano that they can practice incorrectly. They can practice ineffectively. And if they do that, they get nowhere. But if they will practice effectively, we talk about effective practice. Let me tell you, they improve at an unbelievable rate. Consistent obedience is going to give you consistent results. You are not going to be on this absolute roller coaster. Yeah, you're going to have ups and downs. But you know what? You're going to be able to handle them. 
God's going to be able to lead you right through those things that you're going through. And you're going to come out of it smelling like a rose. According to God's word. Father, I thank you for this morning. Lord, as I start to pray, I feel like that that there are some here that have prayed for healing, that have prayed for breakthrough and prayed and prayed and prayed and not seen that result. But Lord, I believe in your word and I believe that your word says that those that went and knocked on the door of the master for bread, it was because of their importunity, because they didn't stop. You know, that man had to wash seven times and maybe you're at your sixth time. And you just need to believe again and start praying again for that breakthrough with your child or that breakthrough in your marriage or that breakthrough with your parents or that breakthrough with your health or some doctor's report. I want to encourage you. According to God's word. By his stripes, you are healed. Don't forget the benefits of the Lord. That by his stripes. You are healed and he is Jehovah Jireh and he is Jehovah Rophi and he is Jehovah Shalom, the Lord, our peace. Don't forget who he is. Now I ask you, step out again and let us pray with you again. Right where you're sitting, start praying again and asking according to God's will. That you get that breakthrough. We all stand up with me. Well, those that are ministering, come forward. We want to pray with you. And maybe you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I want to ask you, step out. Let us pray for you. Scripture says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We have all sinned. But if, that we'll, if we'll believe with our, if we'll confess with our mouths and believe in our hearts that Jesus is Lord. If we'll believe that he was raised from the dead and he is now in heaven with God the Father, that you will be saved. Step out and let us pray with you. Do you need healing? Step out. God has not changed. You never change. You never fail, oh God. My God is still a healer. Step out and let us pray for you. In Jesus' name, amen.